everybody. This is the first official episode of Tell Em How It Is. I had my introductory episode last time. Now is all the NFL talk, right? So if you're here listening, I appreciate it. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. It means a lot. If you could leave a review, if you end up liking what you hear at the end of this episode, I'm not sure how long it's going to go. I'm kind of just going to sit here and talk and just, just keep right on going, right? But if you do like what you hear, leave me a review, you know, nice comment, whatever. You know, if, if you know me personally, I really appreciate you listening. This episode, I want to get into the head coaching hires, like I said in my introductory episode i want to rank the head coaching hires you know um eight through one or eight all the way down to one and give my reasoning why i put them where i put them so you know if i have your coach lower than another coach you think might be better i apologize this is just all my personal opinion i'm telling you how it is right this is this is the name i wanted to give my podcast so i was just like you know i'm going all in and i'm just gonna tell it how i see it my opinion might be wrong there's a couple coaches i'll give you that i think could be better than others that maybe i don't see as high right now but could end up being a little bit better than I thought. If your coach is on here and you don't like the rating, let me let me know because, you know, I'm just, again, I'm just a guy that's talking ball, right? So I don't have any inside scoop, any inside knowledge or anything. I just tell it how I see it. And if you don't like it, you know, so be it. It is what it is, right? Yeah, usually I would get into some of the smaller stories that are going on in the NFL right now, but there's not really anything that's super crazy going on. I'm just going to get right into what, the, what this main topic is. Close your ears, Commanders fans, but I have Dan Quinn at number eight, right? Dan Quinn, he just feels like he feels like a guy that you would go for if you want no risk he was the safe pick and I mean quite honestly it, it sounds a little harsh I think he was the dud pick you know it's dud is such a bad word to use because it has such a negative connotation towards it and it's really not I promise it's not but I feel like Washington had a chance to go full reset right you know you have a new owner you got um Dan Snyder out of there his and all his shenanigans he had going on you got him out of there you had the number two overall pick which is probably going to be used to draft Drake May I'd assume if Caleb Williams goes one to the Bears obviously so you had that option to do a full reset and get a young offensive guy in there to help mold your quarterback. And instead, you go with Dan Quinn, who I think is a good defensive guy, but he's a head coach of retread. That's not to say that he doesn't deserve another job because he does. I also think, quite honestly, that they put all their eggs in the Ben Johnson basket and it just didn't work out. He left them at the altar. I feel like they could have went a different route than Dan Quinn. I don't, like I said, I don't think Dan Quinn is a bad hire. I mean, he is number eight on my list, so I don't think it's a great hire either. I just think that it's... It's underwhelming. You know, they could have went a different direction. I really like Bobby Slowick. I think he might be a year out from head coach considering he was only offensive coordinator for a season. But I also think that they could have, you know... Ben Johnson was the hire. Ben Johnson was the guy. I'm a Colts fan, so I'm going to relate it back to the Colts. It was like Colts a couple years ago with uh, Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels was the guy they focused on really early, and that was the guy they wanted. And not quite to the same degree as Ben Johnson, but he left him at the altar, right? He said he, he didn't want to be there, basically, is what he said. He said, I'd rather stay in New England. And um, he basically gave him a middle finger and said, yeah, I'm not coming to Indy. When he was on the flight, I think he was on the flight or about to go on the flight to Indy. Anyways, yeah, it just it really feels like a safe pick. I mean, I think that Frank Smith, the Dolphins, off of the coordinator would have been a good hire as well. I don't know how much input he has over there considering that Mike McDaniel, you know, he kind of runs the offense, calls the play. I'm pretty sure he calls the plays and everything as well. I think that would have been a good route to go down too. The issue I have with it is Dan Quinn, his his biggest success was when he had a, a great offensive-minded offensive coordinator, which is Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, you've seen the success he has in San Francisco now. And also when he had a great quarterback in Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan... I think he's a Hall of Famer. Some people would say he's not. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but that was when he was at his best. And the issue you have with hiring a defensive coach and you end up having a good offense is that the offensive coordinator is going to leave. With the Texans, you've seen it. They, they had one good season. Bobby Sloak had one good season as the offensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. His season was really good. But as soon as he has a good season, he's, you know, he's looking to bolt. He he had five, five or six 
four, five, six different interviews with teams, you know? I mean, I was shocked he didn't get a job, honestly. I think it was more so probably him than anybody else. That's just the issue you run into hiring a defensive guy, and you'll see it on my list. A lot of these guys here towards the end are just defensive guys for that reason. It's not really anything against them, but the game is just so offensive-minded now that you have to have an offensive guy. Of the top teams that were left in the playoffs, who was defensive? Um, Sean McDermott was a defensive guy. I'm trying to think of the teams, you know. I guess Harbaugh, he's a he's special teams. He's kind of a, a rarity. The two teams teams in the Super Bowl are both offensive offensive coaches and that's not always the case. You know, as you look on the list, five of the eight guys that were hired this cycle were defensive hires, which is, it's a little odd. You know, is Washington going to go with Drake May or do they believe in Sam Howell and they're going to go, you know, Marvin Harrison is there. Would they go there at number two? You know, are they going to trade back? There's a possibility they could trade back. I would probably go Drake May. I think they'll end up going Drake May. If Caleb Williams somehow doesn't go one, they'll go Caleb Williams. They won't pass him on him, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what their game plan there would be. Like I said, I'm thinking Drake May is the pick, but, you know, it's Washington, right? Who knows? The one good thing with Dan Quinn is that the defense should improve just for him being there. That Dallas defense was really good the couple seasons he was there. You know, um, there was three straight seasons. They were top five in DVOA, which is um, a lot of it was due to him, but at the same time, you also have to sit back and think, man, you know, how much of it was the players Dallas has on defense compared to Dan Quinn? And I think it goes hand in hand because if you don't have good players, obviously you're not going to be good on defense. But if you don't have a good coach and have them in the right positions and spots, they're not going to be play well either. So I think it does go hand in hand. So Washington's defense should improve and they have pieces over there. I know they traded both of their defensive ends, but they still do have pieces that I think could make a good defense over time. But if they don't get the offense right, it doesn't matter. And I think that it could still work out like he could be a long-term guy but he wouldn't he wouldn't have been my choice personally it all just comes down to how different is Dan Quinn and Ron Rivera you just got rid of an older defensive guy and now you're hiring another older defensive guy I mean Rivera made the playoffs but let's be real here he was probably a year or two past his prime like he should have been fired a year ago at least I still do think it could work out it is kind of crazy because Dan Quinn and Ron Rivera are both mild-mannered defensive guys who are on their second go-around of head coaches and made one Super Bowl in the NFC South. It's just a really odd coincidence that that's how it played out. I do think that it could work out. Like I said, I keep saying that, but this is my number eight pick, so I'm sorry, Commanders fans. I know if there's anybody that lives uh, or that knows me personally is listening to this, there's some Commanders fans, so I do apologize. Not really. I, I really don't give a fuck, but I'm just saying I, I don't think this is the best hire in the world. It's crazy because I've seen him anywhere from the worst hire, like I have him right here, to the second best hire and even the best hire. I think number one's kind of consensus, but I think that his his range is really weird. You just don't really know where he's going to go yet. So I guess one to find an out. At my number seven spot, I have Antonio Pierce with the Las Vegas Raiders. Like I said before, with Dan Quinn, it's kind of the same thing, man. You know, it's a defensive-minded head coach. He was a linebacker's coach with the Raiders. You know, he got thrust into the role after they canned Josh McDaniels. Uh, he had a 5-4 and four record, which is pretty good. I think they were riding the low. I think Josh, it's kind of messed up, but I think Josh McDaniels was so bad. They wanted anybody else to help lead them. And his, look, I'll be honest, his leadership skills are top notch. They're really good. But how far will leadership get you? You have to know X's and O's. And I don't, I don't want that to come off and say, Antonio Pierce doesn't know X's and O's because I'm, he probably run me in circles when it comes to X's and O's, right? He probably would, he, as he would probably anybody else. All I'm saying is he has to have something to differentiate himself, and I don't know if he has that. He had to be the hire, though, because when you have guys like Max Crosby coming out and saying, hey, if you don't hire this guy, I'm going to request a trade, you can't have him doing that. And uh, Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, made the right call in hiring him instead of going, look, they flirted with Jim Harbaugh. They flirted with him, right? They said, hey, buddy, you know. 
Just think about me a little bit, right? Okay. But <laughs> but yeah, um, they ended up going with the right hire, right? I think that's what, after that happened is when Max Crosby came out and said, hey, if we don't hire uh, Antonio Pierce, I'm gone. They made the right hire, but I do think that was interesting. They flirted with Jim Harbaugh a little bit and some other coaches as well. Yeah, you know, the one thing that um scares me is that since 2000, interim coaches promoted to full-time roles have a combined 40, 43% win percentage. The odds are stacked against him. He has to find a way to overcome that because he won't be riding the high of, hey, I'm the guy that replaced this old head coach that you guys didn't like, right? He he has to find something that he can stand on his own two feet and say, hey, I'm the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, right? And this is what I do well. And in order for him to find that, he has to, you know, he has to figure out being thrust into a role is hard enough, but also having a full off season should help him in theory, but it also could hinder it since he'll be going into the new season and has everything on his plate as well, right? The question I always come back to is that was his five and four record a Cinderella run? And by that, I mean, like I said before, was it just him riding the high or was it actually due to his X's and O's, you know? He killed the Chargers, which got Brandon Staley fired, which was a good game. And it was probably one of the reasons why he got hired was because of that game. That game was so crazy. You put up 70 points with Aiden O'Connell or what did they put up? 63, 63, 70, whatever. With Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. I mean, that's, it's insane. And on the Aiden O'Connell talk, you have to improve a quarterback. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, he's, he was fine. I guess he was okay, but you won a game with him not throwing a pass in three quarters. That's as impressive as that is, you can't have that happen. If you seriously want to compete with Patrick Mahomes in the division, you cannot have that happen. The rest of your division has Mahomes and Herbert. You have to find a way to be able to score points on offense without leaning so heavily on the run game. You have to you have to pass a win sometimes is how the league has turned into, right? And the last thing about Antonio Pierce is that he has only two years of NFL coaching experience, which is kind of, I talked about a little bit earlier. I don't know how tough the transition will be for him. Like I said, he has some experience with, which could help him, could hurt him. I do think at the end of the line, right? He has to be able to, I, I keep saying, I keep saying he has to different, differentiate himself. He has to solidify himself as the guy. And I don't know how long the Raiders will give him to solidify himself as that guy. They should give him at least two or three years. I think they'll give him at least two. You have to be able to just, to just let him get his footing, right? Number six, I have Gerard Mayo, which is the new Patriots head coach. Kind of another run of uh, defensive guys here, right? My bottom three have all been defensive guys, so you kind of see which side of the ball I value more personally. It's not to say the defense isn't important, right? But at the same time, it's like offense has become such an integral part of the game now. You almost have to have an offensive guy. And I talked about this with Dan Quinn, so I won't harp on it too much. But if you get a good offensive coordinator, he's just going to bolt. As any rational person would do, if you get a, a new job, an upgraded job, you're you're going to say, um, hey, you know, I'm going to take that job. I'm not going to just sit here and be second fiddle to some other guy. I want to go be the guy, right? You can't blame him for taking the job, but that's just how it is. This is the inherent risk you take when you hire a defensive head coach over an offensive head coach. That's just how it goes. This, that's how it's been. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it can be when you're replacing Bill Belichick, right? I mean, that's a tall ask. You're replacing Bill Belichick in New England. He's arguably the greatest head coach of all time, and you're going to be the one to follow him up. I mean, it's like replacing Peyton Manning in or Denver or replacing, you know, it's like replacing Tom Brady in New England as well, which is, you know, that turned out. Or, um, you know, Baker Mayfield replacing Brady in, in Tampa. Anyways, you, you get what I'm talking about. The one good thing about Mayo is that he was a former player, a former Patriot player, so he does know the Patriot way. But the issue with the Patriot way is how relevant is that now? You don't have Belichick. You don't have Brady anymore. And let's be real. The Patriots have been ass 
the last two seasons. I mean, the season before they were okay, but this last season they are they're buns. I mean, they got the third pick for a reason. I think they'll probably take Jaden Daniels, the quarterback. I'm not sure if um that's the route. I mean, I almost think that you have to go that route. What other route are you gonna go if you're the Patriots? You cannot go another season with Mac Jones as your starting quarterback, which they end up benching him anyway for Bailey Zappi, which you know Bailey Zappi is a solid backup at best. He's not a franchise guy. I don't th- I don't even think he's a spot starter really. But they they have to go quarterback somewhere. If they don't go quarterback, Gerard Mayo is going to be out of a job in two years. And not and for any fault of his, probably. But if you don't win and don't score points, you're going to be out of a job. I think Robert Sala is a really good coach. But because the Jets aren't winning and because the Jets can't score points, he's going to be out of a job next year if he doesn't win. That's just how it is. If he doesn't win, he's out of a job. It's a sad reality, but that's just how it is. That's how the, the league is. The league is a results-driven league. And if you don't win, you will be fired. That's how it goes. That's just how it is. I mean... It's like that with a lot of jobs too, but the NFL is so cutthroat. I don't want to get off topic too much, but look at basketball, right? Adrian Griffin is the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He got fired at 30 and 13. He was 30 and 13 and got fired. How does that happen? It's crazy. It's just crazy to me because it's a it's such a results. I mean, I'm getting like I said, I'm getting off topic. I'm going to to basketball, but it's such a results driven league in the NBA and NFL that you just you have to win to keep your job. That's just how it is. Bring myself back to the Patriots. It's just the AFC East is such a tough division that the Dolphins and the Bills and even the Jets, if Aaron Rodgers comes back in, is good. Like I was just talking about, they're going to run that division for a while. I mean, Josh Allen's not going nowhere. I have less confidence in Tua, but I think the Dolphins have a good team too and are probably a, a wild card team each year. I would assume. And if Aaron Rodgers comes back and he plays like he did the last couple of years in Green Bay there. I mean, that's that's a wild card team too, right? I would think. So you have to figure something out and you got to figure something out fast or it can go sideways really quickly. At number five, I have my first offensive guy on the list so far. I have Brian Callahan, which is the Tennessee Titans. And it felt weird putting him in this low because I actually really like the hire. I was a, I'm a Colts fan and I came out and said on my fan, my Colts fan page that I run, Colts Cove on Instagram. I said on there, I was like, I really like this hire. I think it's a really good hire. I think the issue with it is that the Titans just have so much less talent than the Bengals do. It's really hard for me to compare and contrast what he's done because the Bengals have so much talent. You got to think the Bengals, you know, obviously they have Joe Burrow, you know, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Joe Mixon. The Titans don't have that. I mean, the Titans don't have that. Derrick Henry is not going to be a Titan next year, right? You have Will Levis at quarterback, which Will Levis, I have my feelings about him. Everybody does. To put it simply, he's not Joe Burrow, but you have to see what you got in him, right? I'm not sure how Will Levis is going to pan out, right? But you have to take a shot at him. You draft him with the 33rd overall pick. You have to see what you got. You have to give him at least a year and see see what he has. If he's not the guy, you'll be bad next year and you can go draft a quarterback, but you have to at least see. Brian Callahan has proven to be able to work with lesser talents at quarterback, like I just said, with Jake Browning. But Jake Browning can also, you know, distribute the ball out pretty well to his playmakers, kind of just play that that game manager. Game manager is such a bad word to use because it's such a, a negative word. He has that game manager ability. He can just kind of pass the ball out to each other. You know, if you're the Titans, if you're Will Levis, you're swinging that ball out to Traylon Burks. I don't know how far you're getting there, right? I don't, I'm not sure how well you're going to do with that because Traylon Burks, he's a guy. We'll just say he's a guy. I don't I don't want to shit on the dude or nothing. But um, yeah, when he went from Burrow to Browning, there was really no big drop off, which is, which is a sign of his coaching because, you know, you would think going from a top three or five player in Burrow to Browning, who has just been a career backup. I think he hadn't had any snaps before this. You would think the drop off would be pretty big, but honestly, it really wasn't, which is, like I said before, a testament to to his coaching. The the question just comes down to is, will the offense translate? We won't know until the season starts, right? We'll have no idea because we have to just see them play. I think he has the ability to scheme people open, which is good. You know, you can only scheme people open so much. If you don't have playmakers out there, then, you know, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, 
I hate to use such harsh language there, but I mean, what are you, what are you doing? You have to find a way to score points in the Titans. I feel like they're going to have issues scoring points. This is a multi-year rebuild. You're going to have to take time and see what you have in all these players. After year one, if you go four and 13, you can't be like, oh man, Brian Callahan, get him out of here, right? You have to just let it ride. You have to give him at least two, I would argue three years to see what he's got. If it's a complete you know, complete shit show like Urban Meyer was in Jacksonville. Yeah, you can him, right? But um, I think you have to give him years and just see what he's got because this is a multi-year thing in Tennessee. The division that they're in is getting better. I've said it before. I'm a Colts fan, right? The Colts are getting better. They got a they got a guy in Anthony Richardson. The Texans have a real big guy over there in CJ Stroud. He might be one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. And the Jags, I'm not super confident in the Jags, but they still have Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. That's two proven commodities right there, right? So they're gonna it's gonna take time for them to get where they gotta go. And honestly, I mean, I'm not sure if they can get there very fast. Right. I mean, I think all the Titans fans know that this is a multi-year thing here. At number four, I have Raheem Morris, which is the uh, the new coach for the Atlanta Falcons. I really like this hire, and I feel like this is the one hire that I I couldn't gauge very well because although he's a defensive guy, I feel like his ceiling is a lot higher than some of the other defensive guys. It feels a little unfair to put him this low because of his resume, right? And I think he can make some noise in year one because the Falcons they were they're a pretty good team. I mean, they have a good defense with pieces and playmakers. Um, on all, they have playmakers on offense everywhere. That goes without saying. Bajon Robinson, Kyle Pitts, they have dudes, right? They have dudes. And Arthur Smith just couldn't, he couldn't figure out how to use him. Although he's a defensive guy, I, I, I think that he could end up being the best hire of the bunch this, this year, right? Or he could flame out again. I mean, he was a head coach in Tampa Bay, but he was like 31 or 32. And he's, I'm sure he's learned so much. It's been, that's been like 10 years ago, right? He even said it himself that he was too young and he's learned a lot since then. I, I mean, I take his word for it. I do believe him and he deserved this shot. And he was the uh, interim head coach a couple years ago in Atlanta as well. So there's a little bit of connection there too. I think he was their defensive coordinator at the time. I do think that there's a chance that this could work out very well. This division that they, they're in right now is, is, is very winnable. I mean, Tampa won it. They won a playoff game against the uh, the Eagles, but I think that they could turn around and win the division year one, right? I mean, you got Carolina. Carolina looks like a mess right now, which we'll talk about them here in a little bit, which I'm, I'm a little higher on them now. But uh, yeah, Carolina looks like a mess. Tampa Bay, you know, let's be real. Tampa Bay is pretty mid. They're just a mid team, right? I mean, I like Baker, which is fine. I think he's cool. I'm not going to sit here and say he's some some big talent or anything. He, he's fine. And they just lost their offensive coordinator, which has had a history of revitalizing quarterbacks' careers. So that's a big loss for them, too. Like I said before, we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But, um, yeah, and the Saints, I mean, the Saints are keeping Dennis Allen at, at uh, head coach, which that was one that I thought would be canned. He uh, He's kind of the, the, same, the same realm for me as Dan Quinn. It's kind of like... Yeah, you know, he's there, but it's like, ah, oh man, if we could have a, a nice young defensive guy or offensive guy in there. But yeah, this seemed like a low risk hire, but it still has high upside, right? I said that could flame out, but I don't think that he will flame out just because he reminds me of a guy that has kind of the high floor. Like you ever seen a coach that he raises the floor. I'm relating it back to the NBA, but kind of like a Doc Rivers guy, right? Doc Rivers is kind of that guy that will raise the floor, but maybe not the ceiling. I don't feel that necessarily where he Morris. I think he could raise the ceiling as well. Is he a super? Super Bowl coach. I think so. I think he could be if they can get the talent around him. I mean, it's so hard to say. The main thing that they'd have to get right, they have to get a quarterback. Desmond Ritter, not it. Taylor Heineke, not it. The guy that I'm looking at, it's a match made in heaven. It makes way too much sense. It's Justin Fields, right? It's been rumored for a while now. I mean, it just makes too much sense. The Chicago Bears will be looking to trade him most likely because they're going to try and, um, or they're, they're going to draft Caleb Williams, number one, I would assume. So the Falcons are right there. They could throw, you know, throw the Bears a second rounder and a, 
a fifth, a second, and a sixth, whatever they want to throw him. And I think that would be enough to get him. And the upgrade that would be is insane. If you can get some RPO action going on with with him, Bijan Robinson in the backfield, I mean, that could be dangerous, man. I mean, like that's like some Lamar Jackson type shit there with a top-notch running back, right? Lamar's never really had a top-notch running back. If you can get Bijan Robinson and Fields together in the RPO, I mean... It would totally be worth a second round pick. I mean, it's it wouldn't even be fair if it just makes too much sense. Another thing about Raheem Morris is just that he has a real calm, laid back demeanor, and he's well respected among the players. So I think he should fit into Atlanta really nice and uh, be a top notch leader over there in Atlanta. Moving on to number three, I have Dave Canales, which is the Carolina Panthers hire head coach. This is one I didn't see coming at all, but it's one that's been really good, honestly. I mean, they needed a guy to hire in Carolina that has a little bit of an edge to him. And I think Canales is that guy. I think he has an edge. They, the Panthers have been filled with negativity and, and news between, you know, Dave Tepper, the Panthers owner, and Bryce Young having a rough year, and C.J. Stroud having arguably the best rookie season ever when they were sitting there at number one and could have drafted him. They needed a hire like this to start turning things around because if they can't turn things around, it's going to be a long, long couple years in Carolina, right? This past year when they traded, I know they traded up for Bryce Young and I get it. I think Bryce Young doesn't deserve the blame that he's gotten. It's, it was a bad look. I mean, it's, it really was. It was a bad look. You go 2-15 and 15 with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, instantly turns the Texans around and takes them to the playoffs and wins a divisional game. Look, I understand Bryce Young's situation was bad and his advanced stats are really good. I don't have them in front of me. I wish I did. But his advanced stats, it shows that he had a much better season than uh, it, it was on paper. But that number one overall pick, man, I mean, if they still had that pick, you would think they'd go Marvin Harrison Jr., right? they take Marvin Harrison first. How much of an upgrade would that be for Bryce Young? He has no number one receiver. His number one receiver is Adam fucking Thielen. Adam Thielen is like 34, 33. I don't know his age off the top of my head. He's in wide receiver years. He's old. He's old as fuck. I mean, I, it's, it's, I don't understand what the Panthers thought going into the season. They thought they could have a good year. And some experts picked them to win the division. I was high on them. I thought they would win eight or nine games. They didn't even come close to that. It's, it was embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. But I do think Analysis is a perfect uh, mentor for Bryce Young, right? He worked with Geno Smith two seasons ago. And Geno had a career year, comeback player of the year. He won um, the award, led them to the playoffs. They didn't win, but led them to the playoffs. Nobody expected him to have that type of season. The his last season, he plays with Baker Mayfield, and they both have had career years. Baker Mayfield, I mean, Baker Mayfield was out there playing scout team defense for the Panthers, right, when he was there. And then he goes to L.A., has a pretty good pretty good couple of games he plays there. Goes to Tampa, beats off, pause, beats out Kyle Trask for the starting job, and ends up taking the Panthers, take, taking the Bucks, and winning the playoff game. And with Geno Smith, when he was there, he had a career, career year. But the uh, year after he left, his play dipped. He didn't have a very good year. He's a pro bowler this year, but so was Gardner Minshew. Shout out to uh, Guard Dog, baby. Let's go. But uh, yeah, his play dips. It was a good indicator of his worth, right? I mean, if you're there and your guy is playing good and you leave and he starts playing uh, worse, then um, that's usually a good indicator of how good you are. I also think that Canales has an it factor, right? For lack of a better term, he's got that dog in him. I mean, listen to him talk in interviews, right? Listen to his introductory interview. He's uber confident and he said he's even ready for the challenge of the Panthers. He acknowledges that the Panthers is going to be a challenge. But I think that that's what they need, right? They need a guy that's going to challenge him and help bring Bryce Young back to what he was at Alabama, right? I mean, this is this is only a year ago. We're not far removed from Bryce Young being the consensus top guy. Look around. Go back go back and look at the draft boards before, right? Everybody had Bryce Young number one. Nobody had anybody else number one. There's a few that had Stroud. A few had Richardson. But Bryce Young was the pretty much the consensus number one. And now you're looking at redrafts and he's not even in the top 32 anymore, right? I think Canales could be the guy to bring him back a little bit, right? The main thing was David Tepper, the owner, has to stay away from football operations. He could not get near the football operations. Stay away. Open, open your um your checkbook. Pay the players. 
do a few media appearances, say the right things, get out, right? That's all you got to do because all this shit that you're getting into, making decisions and picking players. And I mean, if it's a big decision, I get it. I understand it. You're a billionaire, millionaire, whatever the fuck you are. Pay for this, right? Hire the right guys to make the football choices and sit back and enjoy it. Let Canales do his thing and don't meddle in the football decisions, please. At number two, I have the new Seahawks head coach, Mike McDonald, the former Ravens defensive coordinator. It's kind of contradictory to what I said about wanting to hire an offensive guy, but I think Mike McDonald has that it factor. I know I just said the same thing with Dave Canales, right? But I think that he is one of the best choices to replace Pete Carroll if you wanted to keep his same ideology, right? And it's going to be hard to replace Pete Carroll because he's a Seahawks legend, uh, you know, one of the best coaches ever, in my opinion. But I think that his young or young defensive mind will be able to to keep the Seahawks trending in the right direction. I think they have an issue at quarterback, too. I don't think Geno is the guy. But you're kind of in that spot where it's like, man, you're too good to not have a high draft pick, but you're you're too bad to be able to be like a real playoff contender. You're kind of in that purgatory, right? Um, McDonald's now the youngest head coach in the league, which is, which is impressive because I, I wouldn't think the Seahawks, I thought the Seahawks would go with a safer pick. Honestly, I thought the Seahawks would be the the team to go with Dan Quinn, right? I thought that was going to be their hire. Thankfully they went with McDonald. I think he, he is, his ceiling is a lot higher. Again, you have the issue with the defensive guys and needing a good offensive coordinator. And if they have a good season, they bolt. I think just this, the Seahawks defense is, um, the roster is in a bit of a transition, but the team is good enough to be in the playoff hunt. So I think that you could probably get another season out of Geno and then try and move on and maybe get a younger, a younger quarterback. It was one of the rare defensive hires that I actually really liked, right? Just because, like I said before, of his, his young mind, his young ideology, right? And his ability to adjust to the game and the newer game. That's not to say Pete Carroll didn't, right? Because I think he did too but I also feel like McDonald will bring a new type of edge to it and the kind of the same edge that Pete Carroll had as well right when McDonald joined the Ravens they were coming off a season where they finished 28th in total defense in the two years that the Ravens um, were coached by McDonald the defense finished 8th in 2022 and they were the best defense in 2023 I mean I think that's the stats say it all right that's you know you go from 28th to 8th the next season and then first the season after that that's pretty damn impressive I mean let's be real I think the Ravens had a this was the year the Ravens should have won the Super Bowl right they could have went to Super Bowl and they just they kind of sold you hold the Chiefs to 17 points you should win that game and they just didn't I'm getting off topic again but it's a testament to Mike McDaniel's defense and just the fact Mike McDonald's defense and the fact that they were able to hold a explosive offense like that to 17 points you know the Seahawks assistant investment has left McDonald with a strong starting core to work with as well which is nice they have a lot of pieces over there on defense, you know, Tariq Woolen and some of the other players on that uh, defense. They have players on offense as well that, you know, we all know, DK Metcalf. I do like this hire. I think it could be a really good hire, and I think he's probably there to stay for a long time, in my opinion. That could come back to bite me, right? Because he's such a young guy. It's one of the hires that I really like. And my number one hire, I think everybody probably knew what it was going to be. I didn't go anything crazy here. It's Jim Harbaugh for the Chargers. This is one of those head coaching hires when, you know, two things come together, and it's just a match made in heaven. The Chargers had to swing big after missing badly on Brandon Staley, right? They thought Staley could be the guy because he was a really aggressive head coach and it ended up, you know, backfiring really badly. But they had to go get a big-time head coach with Justin Herbert. I mean, Herbert is one of those players you just can't let waste their prime. You already waste the prime. I, I don't want to say wasted, but you kind of wasted the prime of Phillip Rivers, right? I mean, you didn't make a Super Bowl. You didn't you didn't win a Super Bowl. And he was one of those quarterbacks, too, that has once in a lifetime. Or I, let me not say once in a lifetime, but he was, he was very, very, very good. And, I mean... Harbaugh could be the guy to bring Herbert back to where he was at. He Herbert's been kind of middling here the last couple of years. He's been good, even great, honestly, I would say, but not been able to get over the hump. And 
Harbaugh is there. He's got to change the culture. The culture has to be changed. You can't keep doing this over and over and over and over again. The Chargers are a team known. There's literally a term. The, the Chargers are chargering. This is what they do. They blow leads. They find new ways to lose. They lose games they should win. They miss the playoffs when everybody knows they should have made it. Like this season right here, right? With Harbaugh. Harbaugh is a guy. He's a proven winner. He's going to win no matter where he goes. He made the conference finals the first year with the Niners, who hadn't been to one since Steve Young. And he also obviously won a championship this year with Michigan. It was the first time they won a championship over 20 years, 25 years. He is the guy that they had to go get and they took him from their division rivals, the Raiders as well, which the Raiders were looking to hire him too. The Chargers ended up getting him. The one thing about the um, about Jim Harbaugh is that he can wear off on people a little bit and he has a shelf life as a head coach. You know, how long is he going to end up being in LA? It could be, I think it'd be more than two. It'd probably, it might be three, four, five years. It could be 10, but he does have a reputation of being difficult, right? That's kind of what happened with the Niners and that's why he ended up leaving and everything. I won't get too much into that. That's into the weeds there, but I do think that there is a limited time that he could be there, right? If you win a championship, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at the Rams. They won a championship and they have issues now, but since they won a championship, it doesn't even matter. But he is going to absolutely force the Chargers into contention and prevent the team from falling back into any of its prior inefficiencies. He is not going to let the Chargers charger anymore because he's there. And Jim Harbaugh, like I said before, Jim Harbaugh is a winner, like his brother John. They are both winners, and I'd say more so. I don't want to say more so, but Jim is definitely the guy. He goes to a team, and that team instantly gets better. No matter where he goes, that team instantly improves improves and improves and improves and he wins championships I think this this hire for the Chargers was a home run I mean it might not end up working out in the long run maybe I can't predict the future but this is one of the hires that it's definitely my favorite like I said before it's just a match made in heaven it, it all came together and worked out really well for them and this isn't something the Chargers have done the last couple of years I mean Anthony Lynn was kind of just a guy Staley was kind of just a guy and now Jim Harbaugh is the guy they got the guy the hottest name on the mark and they worked for him too They're, they had to coax him over and uh, I'm sure they give him a nice big old bag but hey at this point you gotta open that checkbook up and be like hey i will pay for your services we need to be back in contention we have one of the best young quarterbacks in the game we cannot waste his prime and for the chargers i think that's what you had to do you had to make it happen so i guess we'll see how the season plays out yeah that's that's my list man you know this is the first episode the first episode is done i'm really glad i came out here and did this because we're 48 minutes in i sat here and talked for 48 minutes straight which is crazy for me to think about i'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here right i i just want to say i do appreciate anybody who made it this far or listened or even skipped over here because I'm sure I'll go back and edit this this podcast here and listen to myself and I was probably talking in circles there's probably sentences I didn't finish probably tangents I went on I know there's definitely tangents I went on like I am right now but I'm really proud of myself for going on here and facing this fear because speaking is not something I'm very good at I took speech therapy lessons in school it's speaking has never really been my thing you know I'm pretty I'm pretty antisocial. I don't really talk too much because of my speaking. I'm not a great speaker. It takes my mind a second to kind of process my thoughts and, and figure out what I'm trying to say and what I'm talking about, which is some of the reason why I'm kind of all over the place in this episode here. I do just want to say I appreciate the people I've talked to and everything and saying that I just need to go for this. Look, it may never work out. I may get clowned for making this podcast. And honestly, if you're going to clown me for doing something I'm trying to do, go fuck yourself, right? It sounds extreme. Oh, no, I'm sorry to any of my family listening to this. Maybe I apologize for using that kind of language, but that's just how I feel, right? Yeah, you know, I just kind of let it all go from the heart if i said it it said something that you didn't agree with please let me know but yeah i appreciate you guys listening to this episode i've been going for 50 minutes now and um my voice is starting to get a little dry i didn't expect to be talking for this long yeah man you know this first episode it's it's not gonna be great right 
it's it's only up from here. If I can start building something, something I really like and enjoy, this is this will be the worst episode. It only can get better. If I get any worse than this, then man, I'll tell you what, I am screwed. Yeah, you know, um, if you liked what you heard, if you just want to support me, I'd appreciate leaving a review, leaving a nice message on Apple. Spotify, I think you can only leave a star review, but please, you know, leave me five stars. It means a lot to me. It really does. I can't really put into words how much it would mean to me, but it would mean a lot. Yeah, if you could do that, I would appreciate it. And hopefully you'll stick around, give me a follow, and we'll see where we go from here right it's only up i just want to say have a good rest of your day and i'll see you on the next episode guys remember always tell them how it is